It is football and other F words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F words pod. He's Mike Herndon. You can follow him, him on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. Uh, Mike, what do you think about the term NFL free agency frenzy? I feel like it's, it's that so has tired. now jumped. Yeah, I think it's jumped yeah. the shark. We I like free agency tsunami, which was done uh, a couple years ago. Never really took off around the NFL, but I kind of like that one. But I think free agency frenzy, I'm done. It's jumped the shark for me. Free agency frying pan? Uh, no, I don't Sizzling. know. I don't know. That doesn't really work. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop it. I'll try to think of something good and like glow up and blow up. But I'm kind of sick of seeing everybody call their their show the free agency frenzy show. So I have to come up with something different, even though this is football and other F words. And for frenzy is obviously an F word. But paulkarski.com is where you can find your written work go subscribe there today in fact today's uh, article wednesday's article is uh all about andre dillard and his fit with the tennessee titans which we'll dive into that so you can talk about the article talk about some other things later on in the show stacking the inbox.com four dollars a month i've unleashed a titan salary cap tracker that will track every comings and goings of the uh, titans franchise starting with monday on and then also a uh, NFL free agency tracker, which is a entire beast where I'm keeping up with like the top 300 or so free agents and where they land. Uh, I've taken a bit. I've taken on a bit more than I can chew, especially when I have a puppy that is chewing everything. Uh, <laughs> two, two dogs has been really wild, but it's uh, it's a uh, it's been fun though. It's been fun. It, it gets better. It, it gets better once once the little one gets out of the puppy phase because we're we're in the puppy phase right now too with uh with Birdie. Um, but our, you know ours is a little different because Louie's old and cantankerous and he doesn't uh doesn't have any desire to play with her whatsoever. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad Huxley yeah. has a friend. Yeah, it, it's been fun. They they they've had some good times and they've had a little bit dog fights. Some battle scars have already happened, but. Uh, uh, it, it's it's going it's going good. It's not as going as well as I could have hoped, but it's like <laughs> I would say like a uh, A minus experience, which is still pretty good. An A minus experience is good. I just had high hopes for an A plus plus. Louis ripped half of Birdie's ear off the other day, so well, I bet that was a lot of blood everywhere. And it scar was. was Dom was your son home? <laughs> no, thankfully it was during the day, and I had I got to uh, rush her to the vet uh in my truck while i had like a scarf tied around her head i couldn't tell where the bleeding was coming from at first i thought it was coming from her neck and i was like oh god this dog's gonna die um and uh but no luckily it was just her ear but they got it all stitched up and i think her ear will eventually look normal again well that that is that is uh scary but also good i guess <laughs> yes. um speaking of scary and good the good is tier tart uh has been tendered a restricted free agent with a second round tender meaning that if anybody were to come and give him a big offer and the Titans were like, hey, we're not going to match it, they get a second-round pick in return. The bad is Drew Rosenhaus is an agent. We'll talk about more in this second. They've also tendered at a second-round level, like I said they should have in a group chat today, and you tried to mic-splain me why they wouldn't, and that is Aaron Brewer. So once again, free agency is off to a rousing start. 1-0 Zach Lyons. Uh, to Mike Kernan zero. So this is this is off to a rousing start of me being right. Um, and then, of course, they have done the most um, duh move, and that's a tender and exclusive rights free agent uh, with Naquan Jones, which means he gets the league minimum, gar fully guaranteed. 
and uh, he cannot negotiate with anybody else. So as soon as that number hits, I'll be able to update the cap numbers and all that kind of stuff. So those are all pretty obvious moves, I feel like, uh, for the most part. Uh, I know Aaron Brewer kind of could have gone either way, in your opinion, but this feels like all obvious things. You're tendering the right people. They've also decided not to tender Nick Westbrook-Akine and Cody Hollister, and I feel like that was the... Um, the m- most happy and exciting, exciting excitement that I've seen from Titans Twitter in a while is the fact that those guys were not tendered. This does not mean that they won't come crawling back because Nick Westbrookine, as Paul Karski reported, turned down the offer and wants to test the market. Good luck to you, buddy. You old buckaroo. <laughs> you know, like, if you want to get faster, those are two great guys to let go. But let's talk about the guys that want to be here, sort of, or at least have to be here. And that's, let's start with Tier Tart. As I stated, uh, Tier Tart, uh, back, uh, did I come, go black screen on your screen at all? Uh, you, like, just spazzed out for just a minute on there. Yeah, I may have to get up in a, in a second and check a cord that the puppies have uh, pulled. However... <laughs> However, I will say this. Uh, Tier Tart, exclusive rights free agents, about a little bit over $4 million. Drew Rosenhaus in January became his agent. This kind of puts the fear of God in me in the fact that this could drag out to the summer. And this is very important because I didn't technically know this and I should have known this. And y- you guys um, are probably not going to know this. If you're a restricted free agent, and you do not show up to mandatory mini camp or OTAs or any of this offseason workout, you do not get fined. And that is because you have not officially signed your tender. Now, if you officially sign your tender, that's a totally different thing. Now, the Titans can take back that tender at any point, but if they do, they don't get any compensation. So this, we're kind of in a stalemate. And from r- rumors out there, people have stopped talking, that they are wanting a big contract. And I put out a tweet today, and we'll get to that tweet in a minute, but I want to get your initial thoughts on Tier Tart and what he actually is in relation to this defense and in relation to the market. Why go check this power cord? Yeah, it, you know, Tart is, um, you know, I thought it was definitely a no-brainer to do the second-round tender because you get, uh, you know, protection against other teams trying to swoop in and and offer him a big deal and, and being forced to match whatever structure they use and all that stuff. So you, you retain really the rights to negotiate with him at this point. Um, I do think it seems like, you know, him hiring Rosenhaus uh, was clearly like a shot across the bow that, Hey, he's going, he wants a big deal. Of course. And of course he wants a big deal, but uh, that he's willing to, to go to the mat to get it. Um, so I think it's, it's going to be an interesting deal as, as this continues to go, because I would not expect him to sign that tender right away. Um, I think it will turn into a contentious kind of thing, but he is important. Like he's a big part of their run defense. He is, you know, their, their best nose tackle. He was uh, their Nick best one. defensive back. Well, yeah, I mean, he is PBU, uh, uh, tart, you know? So, I, I mean, Naquan Jones was okay in that role two years ago. I felt like Na- Naquan Jones kind of took a step back uh, this year. Of course, he he got tendered as well as an exclusive rights free agent, which really means nothing because it's a one-year veteran minimum that they have to offer him, and it means they automatically get to keep him. So, um, But, I mean, Tart is a big part of their run defense. He's been very, very good for them. He does have a little bit of pass rush juice. So, like, at the end of the day, it's hard to put a value on – like him, I feel like because 
ultimately defensive linemen are getting paid based off sacks, right? Like that is the primary metric. Like whether whether that's fair or not, sacks are kind of the the highlight stat for these guys up front. And so you see Deron Payne gets paid big money coming off an 11 and a half sack season. So guys like that, he's not, he's clearly not in that level, but could he get like $10 million a year on the open market? I think he probably could. Um, $10 million a year or two years, like $10 million. No, I think he could get probably close to $10 million a year. I can see him getting like 24 over three or something like that. Or somewhere in there. Yeah. Oh, well then uh, they're definitely good. They're definitely not matching that on a 26 year old, uh, undrafted free agent that has had one really good year. Uh, I mean, Sheldon Rankins, who had like 17 and a half sacks heading into his second contract, got two years and $11 million at 26 per year or not per year, but two years, $11 million total. I guess I don't I don't know the context of the Sheldon Rankins thing and like what what else was going on with him or whatever. But it's hard. It's kind of hard because like he has one and a half sacks. That's it. That's his career total is one and a half sacks. So. But he is a really good run stopper. And if you look at some of the advanced metrics, he does, you know, show up pretty well in those. And I mean, I know it's all about stopping the pass and everything, but having a guy who can you can sit in the middle of that defense and hey, you just can't run the ball anymore. Like the, nobody could run on the Titans last year. Like you just could not run the football, period. Um, that was like the one thing that you could guarantee that they would do right. And it was basically because of Tier Tartan and Jeffrey Simmons for the most part. Um, now they had other guys that contributed David long, I think was a contributor there, but, but those two guys in the middle were immovable objects and that is valuable to a defense. So I don't know. I I think the tart thing, um, yeah, maybe, maybe 10 millions on the high side, but I don't know, six, seven, eight, eight million somewhere around there per year. You don't think he could get that? I, I, I mean, I like, I think five or six, like I, I think the Sheldon Rankins deal, I think it actually should come in lower than the Sheldon Rankins deal because I just, you're paying a premium when you don't really should. I don't think you should be having to pay a premium. It's, it's, it's like you said, it's, it, he is a good run stopper, but they developed that run stopper. I mean, couldn't you just probably turn around and expect maybe they could do that the same, the same that they have. I know that's a, asking a lot, but we're talking about a guy who everybody wanted cut because he couldn't even hit the sleds right. I mean, you remember that? I mean, yeah. that seems a little I mean, expensive. By but I mean, like that would think, if they if someone came in and offered that, I'd say I'll take that second round pick, please. the The tough thing with the development angle, though, is that like Tart is not like your average guy off the street. I don't feel like because like he did have like that pedigree of he was wanted by Alabama. Um, he's always had a, a level of talent. Uh, there's just no way you can coach the, like the heavy hands and the ability to just move people. I mean, he just destroys people up front frequently. I mean, it, it's not like he's the most dominant guy in the league or anything, but he makes a lot of plays in the backfield for them. And I, you just coaching that up, I, I think it's harder. It's easier said than done. Um, if you don't Man, have a guy that has like that certain level of power to his body, which is, I mean, maybe you could find that and, and, you know, do it again, but um, I don't know. Like I a think poor allocation a of, of resources. And I understand the caps going up and stuff. It's just, there's something unsettling about paying Tier Tart. <laughs> like what you said was like 11 or $10 million. Um, just seems, just seems crazy for a guy that's not going to produce 
sacks for you. Um, you know, when you look at the uh, defensive tackles that have been signed, I mean, as my screen decides to go out right then and there. I mean, you look at a guy like like Dalvin Tomlinson, though. For yeah, here's an example. Who is much better? Eh. I mean, you he's, don't think he's, he's much better. Career high is three and a half sacks. Yeah, which is more than Tart. That's Isn't more that than, more than Tart has had over his whole career? So in a season, it, he's had more. It is, but he's. I mean, he, it's not like he's putting up crazy sack numbers. Is the point? Like he is primarily a run stuffer, and he got you know what fourteen million a year. I think is his average. Uh, yeah. DJ Reader is another guy that's kind of in this mold. Um, I think DJ Reader has been more productive as a sack guy lately for the Bengals. But no, I mean, actually, no. He what about like DJ Jerron Reader, career Reed. high? DJ Reader career high two and a half sacks. Really, really good player. Like really good player. He had zero sacks last year. In ten but games, aren't those um, guys? Aren't those guys that have proven it year after year after year? I mean, we're talking about maybe a year and a half of they, really good production. I mean, they they are, but but Tart, I mean, he definitely flashed it in twenty twenty one, and then he showed it consistently in twenty twenty two, and I think that's why they're at this point where they they are willing to give him that second round tender. Um, because I don't, I think he is in that mold. I I don't think he's quite as good as DJ Reader, but he's not that far off. I, I think that there's a good chance that someone is going to come in and make an offer. I'm re- not entirely re- convinced that they're going to ma- match it. I'm not entirely convinced that they're going to match it. I think they would rather take the second round pick. Don't you? Well, don't you think with the state that their franchise, the the team is in, that a second round pick is a little bit more valuable than Tier Tart at this point? I I mean maybe I I mean in second, this particular like, draft. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Tart is very valuable to it. Because what are you? What are you going to put in there if you don't have Tart? You, you're just going to throw Naquan Jones in and oh, hope for the best, or throw him, sign someone. I mean, you could sign Puna Ford if you want to. Uh, I mean, but there's a lot of guys like, out there. It's not it's like not, they get to choose though. They they have right. to get a team to like offer him a contract that he's willing right. to sign, which. Nobody's going to do, by the way. Nobody's you don't going think to anybody's offer. going to come in and oh, offer him a contract? I think so. No. At least one team's going to offer a contract for TR Tart. Nobody's going to offer a market contract and be willing to give up a second round pick for TR Tart. Well, just, I don't think it's going to be a market contract. I mean, it's going to have to be for him to sign it, right? I mean, he's but it not doesn't. Play it, but if he doesn't well, get the market contract, market. then is he just going to hold out and hope that the Titans are like, well, you know, I don't care that nobody else is going to pay it. We'll pay you more because we're idiots. I mean, like. Well, I mean, How's he, that gonna well, work? He he could sign. He could pay for play for four point three million dollars this year, and then be unrestricted and get his bag next year. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's probably what I would do rather than try to sign a long term deal that handicaps me, you know, relative to what I could probably get next year. Um, I mean, it, you know, if he's gonna bet on himself and believe in himself and all that, and he's just not looking for like an immediate payday, which I mean, yeah. you never know, he might be. But I don't know. I I think ter- I think Tier Tart has value. I think he's worth six, seven, eight million dollars a year. Um but I, I just think it's uh I think it's there's no way somebody's gonna come pay him that and give up a second round pick. That's just I don't think that's and, and it is a pick based on when the offer sheet is signed and accepted by the Tennessee Titans. So if it would if they get it in like June, it's for next year's pick. It's just like the franchise tag. We had someone ask that James Neeson asked that uh when the second round pick would would come into play. Yeah if it came in now it would be for this year's pick or this year's second. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I th- I think that 
Well, likely with Drew Rosenhaus, you know, I don't I don't know Carthon's relationship with Drew Rosenhaus agents. Maybe I need to be looking into that and write a little article, write a little ditty on it and uh, figure out how quick uh, these have gone through for the Rand Carthon era, San Francisco 49ers and all that kind of stuff. But more than likely, everybody needs to be strapped in for the long haul on this one. In, in my opinion, this could be just as uh, contentious as the Jeffrey Simmons negotiation. Um, something that I think won't be as contentious because I don't think that there's going to be a market. And while I do think it's good to protect someone like Aaron Brewer, um, with a second round pick, just in case someone does come in and is like, Hey, we need this, this player. And you just jump all over it, take the second round pick again. Um, that essentially it's your starting center, right? I mean, isn't that what we're all kind of thinking and feeling out in the uh, media world is that Aaron Brewer at this $4 million money, if he chooses to play on it this year or chooses to do an extension, it's because they feel that his athleticism, his knowledge of the team, the quarterback, that he's going to be a starting center, even though that he has under 200 snaps logged at center. I mean, I, I think this, that's what the number tells you, right? Like, I mean, if I thought for sure they were just going to give him a first rider for refusal tender because I didn't think he was going to have a huge market out there um, based on the way he played last year. I mean, he and we've been over this a million times. He was a good run blocker for them. And, and you know, maybe somebody would have paid for that as like a backup kind of guy or, or something like that. But uh, he was bad in pass protection. I think center and I've said this like literally going back to the when he actually finally made the roster for the or not finally, but when he made the roster as a surprise for the first time mm -hmm. as an undrafted rookie, mm -hmm. that I thought ultimately he was going to end up at center. That would be his long-term position because from a size, strength standpoint, athleticism standpoint, that is where his skills are best suited. He can still use that athleticism. That's a valuable uh, commodity there. Just look at you know, Jason Kelsey is a good example of what you can do when you have a really good athlete at center. Alex Mack is another one who just dominated for years because he's an awesome athlete. Um, so he is that kind of athlete. The question is going to be the play strength. And I get that. Um, and there's only so much you can do when you're 290 pounds or whatever he was last year, maybe he'll continue to add weight, continue to add, to add functional strength. That's certainly possible. Um, you know, obviously you don't want to sacrifice all the athleticism and, and all that to get that, but I think it's possible he gets stronger, but most importantly, center is a position where you can mask your pass protection weaknesses better than any other spot on the offensive line because it's really hard without sending five rushers to dictate a one-on-one -on -one matchup for a center it's just the the way that the the players are spaced out the way that it, it, the lineup works you can get one on a guard because you can line up a, a wide defensive end next to a three technique and then you you know you've based and you know you've got a three technique or a, a nose tackle on the other side and you, you dictate that you're going to have a one-on-one -on -one matchup with a guard. You cannot dictate as easily that you're going to have a one-on-one -on -one matchup with a center without blitzing. So it makes it more difficult for him to end up in bad spots protection-wise. So I think that is why it's worth seeing what he can do there. $4 million is not a lot to pay for a backup offensive lineman. Um, if that's what he ends up being, because I mean, he may he may end up not winning the job. I, I don't know that this gives him the job outright. I think this gives him the probably first snap of training camp or first snap of OTAs. 
uh, he'll probably be the guy there. And then maybe it's a rookie. Maybe it's Corey Levin. Maybe it's uh, some other center. On Corey Levin, who is a free agent, by the way. Right, exactly. Yeah, they would have to bring him back. But um, Or maybe it's uh, Xavier Newman-Johnson. Um, I, I think there are guys that they could have compete with Brewer. And if he loses, he loses. And he's a backup at a reasonable backup you know, offensive tackle or offensive guard, you know, rate. So um, I'm totally good with Brewer being back and being given a shot at center. If nothing else, good enough offensive line role for this team. Like he, he was not that bad. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think the Brewer, I, I said this in another chat cause they were kind of making fun of it. Uh, I think Sam Phelan saying that, you know, they're pretty good guys who have the best football ahead of them probably um and and really i said if you put two meaty man mountains next to aaron brewer that's gonna mask a lot and one of the guys they they've signed that we'll get to later is a meaty man that is coming for your soul every every snap of the ball but here's the thing is that you're right that this does not mean that he has the starting job secured. Now, if they come to a, like a long-term extension that maybe has a little bit more guaranteed money or something, then maybe we could talk. But I think that right now your starting offensive line is Andre Dillard to be determined, Aaron Brewer, Daniel Brunskill and NPF, which by and large sounds a little bit better than what they played with more than last year, just because, Dennis Daly sucks. I mean, that's just how bad Dennis Daly is. And that's how bad Aaron Brewer was at left guard as well. Um, however, now this is the interesting part of these restricted free agent tenders. These are both second round tenders, right? If they let both walk, one of those becomes a third round, t- third round pick. They do not e- mean both second round picks are going to come to you. So if they, let's say two teams come in and they're like, they give one to Tier Tart. They give an offer to Aaron Brewer, and the Titans don't match any either of them. You're going to get one second round pick and one third round pick. Yeah, I don't know how it's decided. I guess it'd be first come first served or something. But just something to keep in mind that if both these guys walk, you're not getting both second round picks for them. Wait, that is correct. If, I read about that today. If if the same if the same team signed them, but if different teams signed them, you'd get both of their no no. I, it's 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 a hint. It's it's some go to Pro Football Network. It, it's not about the same team getting them. It's about it's a it is a it is a way for you not to tag everybody at second round tenders and to get second round picks all across the board. There, it's like some weird rule that the NFL has laid out to kind of like I guess tamp because if you think about it the rave is that the Patriots find ways to exploit this rule. It's to prevent exploitation of the rule and the, of the tender. So it's, it, I didn't know that until today. And I read it on pro football, uh, network, uh, com when I was kind of that's reading up on it. Interesting. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. I, I, I think that's kind of crazy too, but apparently that is the rule. Unless I just left off a word when I was reading it, which sometimes I do, but, um, go to profootballnetwork.com and go read for yourself. How about that? Um, so, let's talk about the signees elsewhere. Nate Davis signs with the Chicago Bears. David Long signs with Miami. And Demarcus Walker signed uh, with, oh, crap. I forgot to write it out. Chicago as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
when you look at them at first, of course, everybody was like, oh, no, everybody's, you know, getting, you know, letting them go. What are we going to do? And I'm like, well, I mean, this was all kind of like writing on the wall. If you, you can't be shocked that David Long's not here. You shouldn't be shocked that Nate Davis isn't here because uh, Jim White has been like, he prepared you like a couple months ago. And Demarcus Walker, just his market got hot. The media, um, the media has been warning everyone about Nate Davis mm-hmm. and, and David Long for yeah. months. Like it, this has been something that has been like pretty obvious if you know kind of what to watch out for. And and this whole thing about like the guy from SiriusXM who works for Chicago, I guess he's a Chicago sports talk guy, and he like said, "Well, my sources, you know, with the Tennessee Titans, said that Mike Vrabel just hates you know so and so's gut." Like, guys, we got to remember, he's in Chicago. Who does he know down here that is his sources? Because he's a longtime CR6M Chicago guy. But on top of that, it is likely Jared Stillman. Like, I would bet $100 that it was Jared Stillman who told him that, like, oh, yeah, Vrabel hates his guts. Because doesn't that seem like a, a, a Vrabel statement to make anyway? And and he works for CR6M as well. Like, it just seems like it's too perfect of a connection. So, first off, I do believe, though, that Mike Vrabel is sick and tired of guys that can't stay healthy. And I can't remember the tweet that Stoney put out there, uh, but it was something like he was still t- – uh, you can just hear Mike Vrabel you know, saying the words durability as uh, the, David Long's plane takes off for Miami. Like He's still going on about durability. None of these are surprising except for Demarcus Walker, but let's talk about Nate Davison and David Long. I mean, are you surprised at the number that they just let David Long go on? Because it just tells me that his market wasn't that hot. I mean, honestly, to me, the way that I read this is they just chose Al Shire over... David Long, I, like that's the way it reads to me because they basically got the here, same amount of money. Because I, I, Al Shire. Well, your boss put out a phonetic tweet and is like, I, Al, I Shire, Shire, Shy and Ear. So that was the two words yeah. he used for the phonetic spelling. Well, so I'm just saying, <laughs> we got we got to figure this out. A A S A A dash Aziz Aziz. I think they just chose him over David Long. I I, I don't think it's a um, I, I don't think it's it's a deal where they had like a choice to make on David Long. I just think they had Aziz ranked higher on their board, and that's who they pursued, and that's who they got. Because I mean, they got the same amount of money at the end of the day. I mean, Al Shire, Al Shire uh, got um, one year six million or up, up to. to- Six million, which means it's probably less as far as guarantees. Um, so I, I think you're looking at like, you know, he gets he gets six million. David Long gets eleven million over two years, so five and a half million dollar average. I, I think it's about the same as far as the guaranteed money. Um, you know, probably a little less for Aziz. So I, I think they probably just chose uh, Al Shire. Yeah, it just. It- you know, we talked about this possibility on the podcast a couple of times throughout the season. Um, and I I brought up, like, do you think it's a possibility that Titans fans are going to overvalue an undersized linebacker again? And he goes somewhere, 
and he's probably not going to be that productive and we're not going to be really talking about because it is hamstring issues while he is productive on the field. But there's a lot about the we talk about beefy man meat protecting, um, you know, Aaron Brewer if, you know, they get him on the guard spot. Beefy man meat on the defensive line opens up a lot of holes that that allow David Long to readily attack a a running back pretty easily and stop a run play. (laughs) It's not to say that's all the defensive line. That's the only reason for success. But you go to an, a, a different team, a different environment. I will say he is going to Vic Fangio uh, down in Miami. So that's pretty good for, for his prospects. But I will say this. He doesn't really seem like a Vic linebacker, does he? Like he seems very undersized for what Vic wants him to do. I wonder if it's going to be somewhat of a reduced role or specialized role for him. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, like, how they use him, I guess. Um, I mean, he's undersized, but he plays pretty big to me. I mean, I never looked at him and felt like his size was holding him back in any way. I mean, the the only thing that really, to me, held David Long back was the fact that he couldn't stay on the field because his hamstrings were paper mache at the end of every season. So, I think think he's going to be good for them, honestly, as long as he stays healthy. And we'll see whether or not the hamstring issues get better or not there. I, I, you know, PK was talking about this uh on twitter and i came in and mentioned kind of like my piece on it too a lot of people are so convinced that like oh david long will suddenly be healthy now that he's not in tennessee the evidence doesn't support that yeah, i mean like, like it happened for aj brown and then everybody's like well we're just gonna forget everybody else this one example <laughs> but you know forget about Corey davis forget about Adoree jackson forget about uh Jarrell casey forget about jack conklin jack conklin yeah forget about all these other guys who had injury issues here or didn't. I mean, Jerome Casey was pretty healthy here. Uh, and then he leaves here and immediately gets hurt. So I I don't know if David Long will stay healthy or not. He could play 17 games. He could play five. I, you know, who knows? Um, but I think I think he's a good player. I, I think he'll be good for Miami. Um, I but I think Al Shire is a good player as well. And I don't think there's gonna be a big drop off. I, I really don't. Uh, Nate Davis, he left, he got a little bit over the, what I thought I kind of, it's, let me phrase it this way. He got what I thought he was going to get on the market, but it's more than what I thought he was worth. So I expected him to get this kind of a deal, but I always thought that he was going to be closer to like $8 million a year, 8.5. I know it's like, it's $1.5 million difference. Like what was a big fucking whoop, but it's just in my head. That's just kind of what I thought. Um, I'm okay with it as well. Like both these guys had problems staying healthy and both these guys, I think work ethic have been called into question on numerous occasions. Specifically, we know that David Long has, I mean, hell, it just is crazy uh, how much that Mike Vrabel has talked about David Long and his durability, which also makes yeah. me think that Christian Fulton's probably on the trade block and we all don't know about it yet. Wouldn't but, be Nate Davis is gone. They find his replacement, too. Uh, we don't know the full numbers. We only know that's a two-year deal. Probably going to be cheaper than Nate Davis. It sounds like, to me, it's like a pretty good deal, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think Nate Davis, like you said, I, got, I think he got about what I expected him to get. I wouldn't have had a huge issue with the Titans paying him that, to be honest with you, either. I, I think he's still – I still think he's a pretty good guard. Um, so, I'd, again, health, durability, all that stuff. I, I think I understand that the Titans maybe weren't super happy with him at the end of the season not fighting through an injury that they thought he could have fought through. Um, 
but and maybe that's maybe that's a source for where wherever this uh Mike Vrabel hates him comment came from or whatever but uh I I think the Titans moving on from him I don't have an issue with that too I mean it, it it's not like losing Nate Davis is going to set this franchise back you know in a huge way and Daniel Brunskill again like don't know that he's a one for one replacement I don't think he's quite probably as good as as Davis um he's better at different things he's a little bit better pass blocker than uh than he is a run blocker which is again something that i mentioned in my piece for paul kaharski on dillard possibly a shifting you know difference between robinson and and carthon and the, the way that they want to pursue offensive linemen and the traits that they're looking for and what they want to coach up versus what they want to sign uh as a as a proven skill set so um that that'll be interesting to keep an eye on but yeah again like losing david long and nate davis like this was never gonna you know just submarine the entire titans franchise these are guys that are replaceable yeah i'm with you and in fact you know we'll we'll get into it here in just a second so but you know at the end of the day I feel like losing those guys were expected. And if you didn't expect it, then you're just keeping your head in the sand and you're ostriching your way through the most of the last two months. Like we got, we got to, you got to start listening to not only what the media is saying and, but also you need to start listening to what the coaches are saying. And the coaches have pretty much alluded to this. The staff has alluded to this, like, Jim Wyatt in the building made one of the most offensive statements you'll ever see in a Jim Wyatt mailbag. That's when you got to start listening. That's when you like, oh shit, this is like for real going to happen. Cause I have always yeah. speculated it was going to happen. But then like Jim Wyatt says is like confirmation bias, I guess, but there you go. That's a guy that you need to be listening to. To Marcus Walker real quick. You know, they let Bud Dupree walk. You talked about, you know, trying to keep DeMarcus Walker. But his market lit up, apparently. Uh, several teams got involved, including the Titans. By the end of the day, they let him walk. And they, again, let him walk, sign what looks to be his replacement. Uh, so, any any thoughts on DeMarcus Walker? Do you think it's just a case of the Bears just spending some of their salary cap and it's not really indicative of what he is worth? Or do you think that this is a really good deal for a young ascending player? I mean, he's not that young. He's 28. He's been around for a while. I thought he was 27. Um, yeah, it, he's 28. He'll be, he'll, yeah, he'll, t- he'll turn 29 right at the start of the season, like early in the season. So he's he's getting up there. Um, but this was his first season over four and a half sacks. Um I think he's a little bit of an overpay, honestly, for him. Um, and, and look, I loved what he did here. I thought he was a really good addition. I thought he was uh, useful for them. I think part of the reason, uh, you know, that his production hasn't been that great has been injuries again. Like last year, he played 17 games for the Titans. That's the first time he played a full season in his entire career. Uh, he'd missed at least three games in every season prior to this past season. So again, that if you want to look at the, the whole narrative of guys only get hurt when they play for the Titans, that is one that completely flips it on its head. Um, and we'll see if he's able to stay healthy in Chicago or whatever, but they, they gave him a pretty good contract. Um, and I honestly was a little bit surprised that he got what he got. I, I kind of thought he'd be a little less than that and maybe a little shorter term as well. 
uh, for a guy. That yeah, I was surprised at the, all that too. Yeah, that was a, that was real interesting that he got that, and but good for him. I mean, capitalize on your deal, get paid, and twenty one you know, million over yeah, three years, over so. three years, almost exactly like the Arden Key, at least yeah. on a general surface uh, yeah. contract. Um, well, speaking of Arden Key, let's get into the signees, the new additions of the Tennessee Titans. But before we do, we have a public service announcement, and I did not prep Mike on this, but he knows what I'm. Well, he probably has an inkling of what I'm going to say. Um, None of these draft picks, or sorry, none of these signings affect draft strategy. None of these signings prevent this team. If they want Paris Johnson at number 11, they get Paris Johnson at number 11. You may have an expensive guard in Andre Dillard, but guess what? You have an overall better offensive line, way better. And then you have your future left tackle franchise. If they want to draft an inside linebacker in the second, and they say, Jack Campbell's still there. Can't believe Jack Campbell's still there. They're going to take him. If they want to draft an edge rusher at number 11, the best edge rusher available that could fall or something, guess what? Arden Key, you're you're just a rotational piece. Like, none of these, so far, none of these contracts or none of these uh, signings prevent the Titans from solving or attacking any of these issues in the draft or any of these spots in the draft. So that's a little PSA for from us. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It is completely crazy to me that people are like, "Oh, well, now that they got Andre Dillard, they're set at left tackle." What? He has nine career starts. I mean, like, we'll we'll talk about him a little bit more in a minute. But the the idea that this guy is now chiseled in stone as the starting left tackle for the next you know three years or whatever is just asinine. It he has just as good a chance of well. I'll say he he probably doesn't have just as good a chance of being a bust because I don't think he'll be an outright bust, but he may not be very good. Like he, he he'll might at least be, be better okay. than Dennis Daly. Okay, he like, be better than Dillard, that's Dennis all Daly. that matters. That's For all that sure. matters well, to me. Like that's all that matters to me. <laughs> he'll be he'll be better. Um, how much better? I don't know. Um, but I'm blocking Stony from the chat. I've I've just made it official. He goes because the Titans can draft Bijan Robinson or Clayton Tune at eleven if oh, they want God. to too, and it just it's he knows that's going <laughs> to trigger me. <laughs> no, it's um, yeah. The Titans absolutely no, none of these guys are going to block. And look, none of the free agents that they're going to sign are going to prevent them from drafting anyone because the draft is about finding future stars. The free agency is about plugging holes. They are two totally different functions when it comes to player, uh, you know, acquisition. So. I don't care that Daniel Brunskill is currently penciled in at right guard. If you can find a, a right guard that can be a star, you know, in the future, you're going to draft him. Like you're not going to let Daniel Brunskill uh, hold you back from any draft pick that you want to make. And the same goes for Andre Dillard, the same goes for Arden Key, the same goes for Aziz Alshire. Uh, all, all of these guys are going to, they are not going to block you from doing anything. And And frankly, like a lot of them, are probably realistically one-year deals. I think Key's deal is probably two years based on the amount of guarantees that were reported. Now, we'll have to see like when those guarantees trigger and if those are all guaranteed at signing and all that stuff, which is another PSA that we should mention that until the contract structures are actually reported, which we don't have any of them right now, I don't think. Uh, no, or no, we got just uh, that Gifford. linebacker. Uh, we got Luke Gifford. Gifford. Yeah, we got Luke Gifford's contract details because that's what everyone was wanting. Um but we got nobody else's right now. So until we know what those structures are, it'll be really hard to know like what the practical 
um, application is for these contracts. It's almost but, like, you know, when, when that Josh Oliver contract uh, got released, you know, people overreacting to Josh Oliver, uh, maybe someone on the podcast uh, right next to I saw to that you. number. I was like $7 million a year <laughs> you were for going, Josh Oliver? You were going nuts in the chat. And I'm like, who are you? Is this rookie Mike coming through here? Is like you, well, you like I regressed mean, into like an infant. No, I think I think you can get you can still get sticker shock at the AAV. I think <laughs> and, and still know that it might be different. Like it might it might be like fool's gold. But I mean, you were spending a good like five minutes fuming over this contract. Well, I wanted the I wanted the Titans to sign Josh Oliver, and I'm like, they gave him, they gave him seven million a year. <laughs> it's insane. But, okay, so let's talk about Andre Dillard. Uh, let's first talk about Luke Gifford because we actually got his contracts now. Uh, I've heard him be described as a baller with a lot of L's by other media personalities who talk to people with the Cowboys. Apparently the people that cover the Cowboys love them. Some Luke Gifford, uh, not related to Zach Gifford, uh, who it was on Friday night lights to my knowledge. Um, okay. Luke Gifford signed a two year, $4 million contract with Tennessee Titans, including a $500,000 signing bonus, 100 million guarantee, fully guaranteed. That is 500 of his base salary this year is also fully guaranteed. So th those where the 1 million comes from. Uh, he could be cut after this year and only leave behind a 250K dead cap. Uh, at this point, it's I loved that when David Long got cut, this guy got signed. <laughs> Everybody penciled in, well, Luke Gifford is starting. Oh, Jack Gibbons is starting next to Monty Rice. I mean, Hello, do you guys think they're not going to do anything at middle linebacker? And of course they did, but I mean, they may do multiple things at middle uh, middle linebacker. But like, it was so funny, like, oh, this is Jack Gibby's year. Oh, it looks like they got another special teamer that's going to come in and be like a Dylan Cole. He's going to be scrappy and he's going to be a starting inside linebacker. Like, we got to settle down, guys. David Long is gone. He, Gifford is not his replacement. Jack Gibbons was not his replacement. And let me tell you something. Jack Gibbons sucks. He's all right. Yeah, Jack Gibbons like, he's not. He's not an NFL starter. Okay, you guys yeah. got to stop letting three to two, two to three games as a starter dictate and project out as a seventeen game starter for the in the NFL. He's just and, and honestly, like Gibbons, it was it was like he had that one game where he made like three plays in a row, and, yeah. and then everyone got all excited. But that those that three play sequence is really all that anyone's holding on to. I feel like from. From, uh, no, uh, Titans fans holding on to something that d doesn't really <laughs> so minimal. I am just shocked. Just shocked. But yeah, I mean Gifford's a nothing signing. I mean he's like a he's like a Joe Jones or uh uh I mean yeah, maybe Dylan Cole. Maybe he's a better Dylan version Cole. of the AJ Moore signing last year, right? Because AJ Moore is supposed to come in to be a special teams contributor, and this is kind of like a similar deal. And he's a better version of that, better which is still nothing. He's a good athlete, which is still you nothing. Know. You know. Like, and, and I, I guess the Cowboys people say that they think he could play a better role, like yeah. a bigger role. And even, you know, I don't Probably. know. We'll see. That, yeah. that he may be forced to if injuries he, don't turn around. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he. I would. I was gonna say he probably is not going to play any defense unless something goes horribly wrong here. But you know, things do go horribly wrong <laughs> quite frequently. Um. Okay. So let's get to the real guys. Andre Dillard signed a three-year, twenty-nine million dollar. I mean. Everybody started penciling him automatically as a left guard. And I'm like, dude, he's predominantly been a left tackle since college. So I don't I understand. Most people can, said he was going to be left tackle. I think I, I will say this. I think I think there was a small minority of media fans who thought he was going to be a left tackle or media 
analysts that thought he was going to be left out. I've heard a lot of people that are media that cover the team that are like diet media, kind of like what we are, I guess, uh, that penciled him in at left guard. And I'm like, no, he, he's a left tackle. Now, he hey, could be or- a left guard if, if they get a better left tackle, but he is right now penciled in, so that means you can erase it if you guys don't remember what pencils are anymore. So you can erase it and move him over. But, I mean, he's been a left tackle his whole life for the most part. He's Word documented in. He's not yeah. PDF'd. So. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, he. I mean, he's, he is a left tackle predominantly. I mean, that's where most of his uh, work – I mean, that's where he played his entire high school career, his entire uh, college career, and, and basically his whole NFL career with the exception of he started one game at right tackle his rookie year, which went horribly. Um, and then afterwards he was, he talked about how flipping to the right side was like asking someone asking you to write a, an essay left-handed, um, you know, if you're right-handed assuming obviously. Um, but he, he was like, you know, it's not easy. It's, it's very difficult. So like, he's a guy that clearly is going to need to play on the left side. He did play some left guard for the Eagles last year in injury kind of injury fill in situations for Landon Dickerson. But, um, yeah, he's very much a left tackle first and foremost. Now, I do think he could be a guard. And some of the – I guess the – I think some of the reason that he does get kind of tossed into that guard realm is he's borderline when it comes to arm length and things like that. I think he's 33-and-a-half-inch arms, which is – you know, most people like tackle arms to be 34 inches. I think 33 Longer inches Longer than uh, Taylor Lewance, if I'm not mistaken, though. Right right near Taylor Lewance. He's He's honestly – the Lawan thing, athletically, he's extremely similar to Taylor Lawan, which is a good thing. But I would say play style wise, he's he's different in the run game. Like Lawan's got that nasty streak and loves to get downhill and finish people and and things like that. Dillard, at, you know, you don't see a whole lot of that on tape. To me, he's he's a lot of a leaner uh, as a run blocker. Like he's just not a dominant run blocker whatsoever. And look, part of that, he played at Washington State in the air raid under Mike Leach. They barely ran the ball. Like, and when they did, it was draws or very passive uh, run run calls for an offensive lineman. Then he goes to the NFL and he, he goes to play um, for the Eagles. Yeah, go ahead. So, so he goes he goes to play for the Eagles. The Eagles run a lot of misdirection and stuff like that, which is really, you know, it's less like downhill at you blocking, like getting displacement, and more getting in the right position to cut a guy off and just, you know, allow the misdirection to work to get the the ball carrier into open space. So I think some of it is scheme that he just has not been asked to do a ton of like, you know, downhill blocking, but it's something that'll be an adjustment for him. I think at the very least, but I, yeah, I think he's more tackle than guard, but I think he could be a guard um, if you need him to be. So I, I, he'll be a better pass blocker. That's for sure. He is a good pass blocker. I'll give him that. I mean, that's, that's something I think that's going to come out of the box that you don't have to help him. You can leave him on an island. I, I shared a couple of clips in uh, that article for uh, paulkarski.com uh, today of him on an island against Micah Parsons uh, last year at left tackle. And look, he, he held his own, more than held his own against Micah Parsons. And he was on an island. Like the Eagles did not treat him like a backup when he had to go in and play. Uh, I, I think I, Actually, Lane Johnson got hurt, so Mylotta moved to right tackle, and Dillard came in at left tackle less. And it, this was in 2021, um, was kind of the way that they treated it. But they did not treat Dillard like a backup. They left him on an island. They didn't protect him. They didn't give him chips. They you know did, didn't do any of that. 
they let 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 him go and he did a really good job so I think that changes the offense tremendously because I I don't think people always realize how much having to chip. Dennis Bailey needed all the help while NPF got left on the island for the most part, it felt like. Yeah, that that happened a lot. Um, I think NPF would have been much better if they had a better left tackle last year because he would have had more help. Um, That wouldn't have helped him getting beat inside on run plays, which he did way, way, way too often and just drove me insane. But um, anyways, he... I think this will allow them to help NPF, assuming Petit Frere ends up being the right right tackle again this year, which I think is the safe assumption. Um, but Dillard, you can leave him alone. You don't have to chip. You don't you don't have to leave guys in. And and I don't think you know what I was getting to there was people don't realize how taxing that is on an offense when you have to chip and when you have to leave tight ends in to help a tackle because you don't trust them in pass protection because you are now playing. If you're helping both your tackles, you're now basically playing three against seven in the secondary. You got three guys running routes. You got seven guys covering. They can be a lot more aggressive because they don't have to worry about two other two other whole bodies, you know, being in in the in the route tree. So if anything, there'll be a late release that you can come downhill on. So especially third downs and things like that, it really really hurts you when you cannot trust your tackles in pass protection. So Dillard, that alone, if he can just do that it'll make a massive difference for this Titans passing game. Uh, just being able to trust him. Well, then we get into three guys that are, have the Carthon connection that uh, should have been on everybody's radar, especially if you subscribe to stack in the inbox.com uh, Aziz, Daniel Brunskill and Arden key. None of their numbers are of course up. Uh, but uh, what I like about Aziz and you shared an article at Mike Herndon NFL on Twitter from the athletic where they really talked a lot about Aziz and about the linebacker culture for San Francisco is that at the end of the 2021 season, heading into the playoffs that January of 2022, but still 2021 season, he played through injury in the playoffs when it mattered for their playoff push from January 6th, I think all the way through to, um, through to the end of the season when they got eliminated in the playoffs. That's, that to me is the antithesis of old boy David Long, who is going to let a little. He can't get over his hamstring issues, and it, and for those, oh, go back to Dillard to tie this into the Dillard thing. Because there's one thing I wanted to talk about. I think that is the difference when you sign a guy that maybe is coming off an injury or had an injury. Are they willing to play through it? But I also think there's a difference in an injury between what Andre Dillard has had and what Nate Davis has had or anybody else has had is that their forearm fractures and breaks, they're not like hamstring ACLs, MCLs, abdominal pulls and stuff like that, stuff that can reoccur. It's like freak accidents that like don't really matter. So I don't like the idea that he's like being labeled injury prone because it's not the same kind of injury. Maybe it's bad luck and maybe it turns into a thing where he's like, constantly shattering his arms but right now those are just like of kind of like freak accidents yeah and but anyway I mean, yeah dillard dillard had a torn bicep and a broken arm I, yeah. that's really his two like big injuries and look i always prefer upper body injuries to lower body injuries except for shoulders shoulders are a problem shoulders are what roger saffold was dealing with um but those kind of things i mean those things get fixed and, and they're not really an issue anymore but you know the lower body stuff is where you start to really sap your athleticism and and hurt hurt you long term 
as far as being able to get like to that next gear and stuff like that. So I, yeah, I don't think there's a ton of injury concern with either of those guys. Uh, but I really like what Aziz brings. He's taller than David Long. He's lengthier than David Long, and he's got a good head on shoulder. And I, I think that when you are being able to fill in for Drake get Greenlaw, uh, which I think is that's the one who he filled in for, not Fred Warner. Yeah. Uh, back in 2021 and you play all those snaps and you do you your defense doesn't miss a beat that says a lot about you as a player and about where you're at he'll definitely wear the green dot i feel like i mean i know andre dillard like his position's a little in you know you kind of don't know where he's going to be at but like for aziz like to me he is now the middle linebacker green dot he is going to be a three down linebacker and mean everything for this team and i think you're getting a guy that has just as much passion and leadership and tangibles like David Long had, but I think he's a little bit more vocal, personal, uh, extrovert. Because if you recall, David Long specifically said that he's an introvert, not in his comfort zone, being a vocal leader. Aziz already seems like a vocal leader. Yeah, and look, I do like the idea of, and I think this has been a common theme really through all of the signings so far, um, you go get a guy who has flashed, but was stuck behind extremely talented teammates. Like Jordan Mailata is a, basically a pro bowl level left tackle and Dillard being stuck behind him is not necessarily a really poor indication on Dillard. He, and there's some context to why he ended up getting stuck behind Mailata and all that, which I go into it, my article as well. Um, so feel free to go check that out. But Al Shire stuck behind Dre Greenlaw, stuck behind Fred Warner. There's no shame in that, right? Like that right. is just, you are stuck behind two really, really good players. One of them is the best linebacker in the game. The other one is, you know, up there. I mean, he's, he's probably top 10 to 15. Um, so the fact that he's able to learn from those guys, learn from D'Amico Ryans, who was his position coach uh, for, for several years. And we know is a really good coach. He's well coached. Um, He's had great mentors, and he was played really well when given the opportunity. He just needs more opportunity. And if you think back to, like, the types of free agent signings that the Titans have hit on in the past, like Delaney Walker, that was exactly what his case was. He was very talented. He was stuck behind Vernon Davis. He just needed more opportunity, and the Titans gave it to him, and he turned into a star for them. So not to say that Al Shire is necessarily going to be a star, uh, like Delaney Walker, but he could be um, like, there's that path forward to where, you know, I could see him blossoming in Tennessee as, as like a really good linebacker. So um, I think there's a lot of upside there and look, he's still in 25 years old. I mean, he's a young guy. So he's um, a Carthon. He's a Carthon scouted approved player as well. Yeah. 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 That's true too. Yeah. He was one of the guys that he, you know, Carthon was widely credited with finding. My boy came home, Mike, back in 2018 when Football and Other Efforts was just a fledgling podcast and we were coming up the ranks. We had, did a segment called Draft My Guys or My Guys Draft. I'll have to go back and look for him. We had a, we had a good name for it. I can't remember what it was. But one of them was Arden Keem, my good old friend. And here he is reaping the rewards, fulfilling my prophecy that he is going to be a good edge rusher. And he comes in to start right now, opposite of Harold Landry. And what you're getting is speed, physicality, everything I loved about him as a prospect. You know, even though he's a he's a uh, a weed guy, which you know I don't care. That team's scared, but you know whatever. Um, but he's back home where he belongs, 
And it's like I knew all along that he was going to be here. I was just, I had this foreshadowing power to my game. Uh, it seems like a good deal. And I feel like compared to Demarcus Walker, I'm a good with the, the swap of the money, right? To let Demarcus Walker go, Arden Key comes in. Um, he's a, he's, I think he's a guy that could, you know, when I initially scouted him, I said that he could, he could, it's, not a strength to put his hand in the dirt, but he could be a hand in the dirt pass rusher too. This provides him a lot of flexibility. What I am seeing from these two defensive players that they signed is guys that provide you coverage, but also provide you speed and instinct. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Arden Key a lot. He was one of the guys that I wanted them to go get when, when we were looking at potential Bud Dupree um, replacements. And I I didn't love I, – I remember uh, your draft love for Key. I did not love him. You hated that. him. I was, <laughs> I was anti-Arden Key. You um, were. He was drafted in the third round, and then uh, he proved to be a bust in, in Oakland, mm-hmm. right? Like, he was not good there. He had three total sacks in three years uh, with the Raiders. Right. And then he leaves, and he goes to the Chris Kasurik School for wayward pass rushers, <laughs> and he fixes them. And all of a sudden, Arden Key is this monster. He ends up with six and a half sacks uh, in a rotational role for the Niners. Um, which, by the way, my one of my old guys that I liked uh, in the draft, Cleland Farrell, who was also a bust for the Raiders, is now going to the Chris Kasurik School for <laughs> yeah. Wayward Pass Rushers. And get, mark my words, Cleland Farrell will have He'll a be a Titan next year. And will be <laughs> paid next offseason. I swear, like, pass rushers should be paying the Niners to play for them. Uh, because he is. I mean, look what happened with Charles Aminahu, right? I mean, Charles Aminahu yeah. was kind of like uh, flailing around in Houston, yeah. heads over, and that was a guy that we both were high on in the draft. And he goes yeah. to San Francisco, and then now he's paid. So. Samson Ebicom, another one. Yeah, you know, did really not a whole lot with the Rams. Goes to the Niners, now he's paid. Yeah, I swear it is a factory line. But anyways, um, key gets fixed by Kersurik in in uh, San Francisco, and then goes to Jacksonville, continues to play well. He And again, was available all 17 games last year, all 17 games the year before. So he's been healthy. Um, and in Jacksonville, I mean, he was a terror against the Titans. Like he'd mm-hmm. absolutely, like I, I know the Titans offensive line is terrible. That's been a big theme this offseason, by the way, is like players that terrorized you in 2022 in like one game goes yeah. to that team. It's like yeah. that they, they're like, we can't see you ever again. Like you're coming but- over here. That does tend to happen. Like teams will see a guy like just yeah. dominate and they're like, well, we got to go get that guy. <laughs> it's like, I've seen, I don't need to see the tape. I saw it in person. Um, but yeah, key was amazing in both those games um, and was really good. Like his pressure rate. If you look at like win percentage in pass rush situations on PFF, I think he was at like 18.1% of all of his pass rushes. He won, which basically means he, you know, beat his block and was able to get in the backfield that that percentage is like right in the neighborhood of like Max Crosby and uh, some of these other guys that are really, really good. It's better than Danico Autry, who was the best edge for the Titans last year. So I think it's a home run deal for what they got him for. I mean, it's 7 million a year. I think he can get up to 24 million with incentives and we'll see what the structure ends up being the guarantees i think we're around 13 if i'm remembering correctly it just says thirteen thousand guaranteed not fully guaranteed so 13 million yeah 13 million Uh, so it's you know yeah i don't know why the tennessee titans are always the last team to have these numbers set i thought it was going to be fixed after john robinson left 
but it's still like remember how long we waited for like Bud Dupree's cap hit contract to come through? <laughs> it was like it the was draft. Like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it's ridiculous. Uh, we knew the contract numbers, but we didn't know the the cap hits. It was yeah. is that really ridiculous? Um, I I love the Arden Key signing. Uh, I'm fully I'm fully on board that they're getting some a guy that's 26 year years old on a relatively what we perceive as inexpensive deal that can come in and start opposite of Harold Landry. And they're both pretty fast guys off the edge. I mean, like it's, it's a, it's going to be a pretty fun little defense kind of got a little bit better. Like, it, you know, man, I, I think they're explosive. I think they're explosive. I think Al Shire is an explosive linebacker. I think yeah. he's got a lot of burst to his game. And I, I think key does as well. And that it's kind of funny because key did not test well, which was part no, of the reason I was, against him coming out in the draft but I, I think he was he must not have trained well or something like that because when you watch him he does have like that burst and explosion and and that definitely was true last year in Jacksonville and the interesting thing about him is like he's 6'5 240 but he plays with a lot of power and they lined him mm-hmm. up a lot inside and rushed him against guards and he destroyed guards uh, and that's something that Demarcus Walker did as well here so it's kind of Walker's a lot bigger. I think Walker's closer to like 280 uh, size-wise, but but Key play, will play a similar, similar role, I think. I think he could probably play out on the edge a little bit more uh, in base fronts and stuff like that than they did with Walker. But as a pass rusher, you can move him around wherever you want and match up hunt, um, which would really like that four-man rush of Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, Harold Landry, and Arden Key will be ferocious. Ooh. That That will be a really nice group. Yeah, well, I mean, let's. But you gotta be honest. I've had people say that they'd rather have T.R. Tart than Danico Autry in my mentions, which I found wildly insane in, in my head. Like that's that, that's, that's kind of crazy. I mean, I mean, they're very different like players yeah. and roles, but yeah, that's kind of crazy. Okay, speaking of salary caps and cap hits and all that stuff, a, a mini PSA that I just noticed because John Glennon put out a tweet. And I'm like, well, that's not right about the cap hit. Both Spotrack and over the cap are already counting the $8 million between uh, when you combined uh, Aaron Brewer and Tier Tart. Those aren't official yet because those players have not signed. So just be leery when you look at the salary cap, there's still technically $8 million not on the table because, again, the Titans can rescind that offer any point. So yeah. I don't like them going ahead and counting that because that's just going to get everybody fucked up in, in the head and they're going to see numbers and start to panic. It's not, it's not set in stone yet. Okay, speaking of panic, I incited a riot today. Uh, shortly before we came on, I got the second tweet of Mike Lombardi's uh, comments on the GM shuffle about Kevin Byer. We got both got tagged in both these tweets. A couple, uh, Chris Harbin, he didn't really respond saying what I was kind of asking because he asked what I thought. I was like, well, I'd have to listen to it to think that if it's just opinion or if he's you know, presenting source material, then the general uh, Mac NG6 or something like that on Twitter. He, um, he brought it up again today, so I went and listened to it, found it, and I present to you what Mike Lombardi said on the GM Shuffle. In the secondary, Jesse Bates, who played on the franchise tag this past season, is now unrestricted. Jamel Dean is an interesting corner. James Bradbury, who we've talked about, he wants big money in free agency, as does Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I thought was one of the kind of chess pieces for the Eagles defensive back group this past season here. Which of these corners do you think is the best option for a team to pursue? 
I think John C. Gardner, because he gives you some versatility. You know, Dean, D- Dean, he can get called for defensive holding almost every play. Plus, that rush in Tampa really helped him. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm Bradbury's his own corner for me. I mean, if somebody pays him, it's got to be the right system. It's all scheme fit for those guys, right? So, and Jesse Bates is a good player. But to me, I think when, you know, Ke- Byer, the kid at Tennessee, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Byer, he's really, yeah. he's really a good player. They're trying to get him to take a pay cut. So would I sign Bates? If he doesn't take a pay cut, they're going to cut him. So if I sign Bates, Ooh. do I go after I would rather have Byron than Bates. I think he's yeah. really a good player. So you got to kind of play that around a little bit. You got to wait. Oh, Kevin Byron. Wow, that's that's an interesting one because yeah, he's a former All Pro. Like, he's he's a heck of he's a, a player. He's a really good so. player, but they're trying to get him to take a pay cut. He doesn't want to do it. Now, you know, this is where the rubber meets the road. Who's you know are they bluffing or are they not bluffing? You know, yeah. I mean, they got cap issues. I mean, that team's in a mess. That team's oh, yeah. in a mess. So, okay, so unprompted. Because this is a question about free agent defensive backs. And unprompted, Mike Lombardi brings up the fact that they are trying, the Titans are actively trying to get Kevin Byer to take a pay cut. And if he does not take one, they may cut him. Or he says they are going to cut him. But then he goes on to clarify to say that, okay, it could be a negotiating ploy. Which makes sense, right? You could just say, well, I'm going to cut you, which I don't understand. I don't feel like it's a negotiating ploy because in my head, coming from negotiating, Kevin Byard has all the leverage. And if you cut him, he's just going to go get a deal somewhere else. And then you guys are going to look like idiots for no reason. And especially since you could probably trade him. So what are your thoughts on this? Because I brought this up a couple weeks ago. Uh, I believe it was February 23rd, actually, which was Lauren's birthday. I put out a tweet that says the Titans really can't let him play on this 19 million. I mean, they can, but they shouldn't. They should work out a way around it. And I proposed a kind of like an extension that kind of renegotiates some of the other base salaries in future and switches all around and lets him be here for the long term. Cause I want Kevin Byard here for the long term. Let's be over long term, probably finish out his career. But I think people have misconstrued the market on the safeties because of stuff like Harrison Smith's extension, this extension uh, that is also not his fault that it's gotten kind of out of whack because John Robinson touched it. Right. So this is not a Kevin Byard issue. This is a previous regime regime issue and the Titans are trying to course correct. I don't think they're going to cut him, but I do think it's possible. And you mentioned this in the chat. And if you're talking about getting younger and faster and you're wanting your defense to be young and fast and instinct and fast, Empire's not either of those things. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? Because I feel like this is a pretty definitive statement by Michael Lombardi. Yeah, he, he's not. And, and look, the Titan safety room and the way that they're paying those guys is kind of, I don't know that that's sustainable for a very long time because Imani Hooker got that contract extension, of course last year and then you know proceeded to immediately be banged up most of the year but um they're paying like from a cap hit standpoint they're like 30 million dollars just for their starting safeties um which is kind of crazy um not even kind of that that is super crazy um relative to the rest of the nfl so i think it would be a surprise to me if they straight up cut Bayard because 
I think he has value. And look, I mean, if they were to trade him, his cap hit to another team would only be, uh, I think, $14 million-ish, um, which would include his per-game roster bonuses. So it is – that's not a lot um, for Bayard, who is only one year removed from being an all-pro. Um, so to me, I, I think maybe, like, I could see them trading him potentially, like, if they could get pretty good value for him. Um, because, look, a really good safety – is a useful thing for a contending team. But like for a team that's kind of like in this weird, like nebulous transition period, I mean, a 29 year old safety who, you know, do you think he's the best safety in the league? I don't think so. Probably not. Where would you put him? Mink is probably better. Um, I don't know. I'd have to look at, I'd have to look at the safety list. I let me pull that up real quick. Well, what? while you're doing that i mean because that's that's the the pushback you get in these replies now i'm obviously not reporting that he's cutting him and obviously i've been on the record saying that i want the titans to work out a new deal which just sounds like that's what they want to do as well you got to make it appetizing for kevin byard and worth his while while also trying to listen to cap hits that he's got because he's got two gigantic cap hits again not his fault but at the end of the day value and talent and production on the field has to coalesce and and make sense and this doesn't do that like this is not a deal that makes sense because i personally while kevin byard provides you a lot of intangibles like leadership community aspect uh knowledge of the defense trust of your coaches durability is a big one he is not the I, to me he is not a game changing safety like these turnovers are usually tipped into his hands, right? I mean, like, I mean, let's be honest here. I, I believe two of the interceptions that he got last year were tipped by another player. Now, I mean, you got to be in that spot, but sometimes it's just, that's kind of a, that's something you can count on, right? You can't count on that he's going to get all of his interceptions that way. So at the end, you see that he's having trouble maintaining consistency and coverage against tight ends, against wide receivers of a certain ilk athletically. So that is the problem that I have. And I see that people are like, well, this is BS. This can't happen. He's the best safety in the league. And I have a hard time even putting them in the top. I I would say he probably gets in at the top 10 because I'm like you. I mean, there may be a safe. Oh, you think he's a top five? Are you just saying top five safety, strong safety? Or are you saying top five safety? All safeties. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, I, I think I it's like think Minka, so. Derwin, um, I'd say uh Antoine Winfield. Um Wow, I'm I'm a little surprised. Maybe Buddha Baker. And then I'd I'd say Byard's right there. I I don't I I mean I think you know you could make arguments for like Jesse Bates, uh that Hufunga kid from the, the Niners who had a great year last year. Um but he's up there. I mean there's there's not I mean, the league's just not like filled with elite safeties, in my opinion. Well, I mean, do you still think he's elite? Because he's getting. Mm, I know it, that that's the thing. That's the thing with Bayard. To me, is like his production has been outstanding over pretty much his entire career. Um, you know, even like even I mean, a pretty ho hum year uh, with him just having four interceptions last year still pretty good um 
and you know, regardless of whether they're tipped or not, like if, if you're in the right spot and you're making the play, I think you should get credit for it. So, um, Bayard, though, I agree with you. Like there was enough on film last year where like he could not hang with Evan Ingram, like not even close. Like he got smoked by Evan Ingram. And I think Amani Hooker is like better suited to that, that matchup role. And Hooker's not that far off of him from like a, you know, field safety standpoint either. Um, so I don't know. I Bayard, I struggle with a little bit because he is not a special athlete whatsoever. His entire game is based off of him being mentally sharp and mentally prepared. And, and, you know, he makes that play against the Rams on that pick six where it was just like, he, he knew from film study that this was the play that was coming based on this area of the field, this down and distance. And he just jumps it and cuts it off and makes the play that, that is what makes him special. It is nothing else. There's nothing else that is a lead about him. Um, and I don't know how long that, be, that remains enough if he doesn't have the like elite physical package. If it, if it keeps on declining. Package. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, like the, that's, that's the issue. I mean, cause you kind of saw it pop up in 2020, 2020, these issues started popping <laughs> up and then in 2021, it got really fixed. The pass rush was excellent and it got all that stuff got kind of fixed. And then the pass rush was average this year. And then you saw that it all kind of like trickled, trickled down. So, you know, S Rob has, has thrown some comments in here that I think is an interesting thing to discuss. You know, how can you extend restructure Tannehill and that fired? Well, they're two totally different positions of importance to an NFL team or an NFL unit. You know, I know that special safety can be, they can be the quarterback of the defense and Bayard is likely that guy, even though he, you know, doesn't wear the green dot, you know, it's typically the inside linebacker, but, I don't find I find that Bayard is more important spiritually for this team than he is like with his actual worth on the field. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. If it might get is that coming off? You know, I, right? I think I, I think I'm following you there. Although I I do think like this has become Jeffrey Simmons's defense is the other thing too. Yeah. Like Bayard is still a leader. Simmons is the leader. Like he is the guy, and like you can just tell like that that's the way he carries himself. Um, and I think he is the guy. I, I don't think it's Byard's defense anymore. And, and look, if you took Byard off of the Titans and, you know, you filled him, filled him in with, you know, some whatever, some average safety, I don't, I don't know that the results change like a ton, right? Like, I mean, because that's the other question he says, you know, yeah. S Rob says he's an above average and there's no upgrade available in sight. Way too many holes on offense to entertain moving. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, is it that important? I mean, couldn't you maybe look at it like a Keanu Neal? Um, I mean, maybe yeah. something like that. I mean, maybe Terrell Edmonds. Um, you know, there's a couple of guys on here. I mean, he's right. It's not a pretty list of, of available players, but like a Landon Collins, Deron Harmon. I mean, like a Juan Thornhill from Kansas City. I feel like are all guys. Yeah, I feel like are all guys that can come in and and give you a different aspect of the safety position at a much cheaper price. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's something to that. And look, I mean, and this has come up on other conversations on Twitter that I've been in and things like that. But 
a lot of people keep saying st- something along the lines of, well, that's not an upgrade. I don't know that that's like the most important thing this offseason. I know that like, sounds like, weird. Yeah, but like Brunskill, right? I mean, he's obviously probably not an upgrade right. over Nate Davis, but they're very similar. And what you're getting more from Brunskill than you were from Nate Davis is a better pass blocker. Like run blocking is not his forte. You're getting a much better pass blocker if you're looking, quote unquote, at PFF grades. But also, you're talking about a guy that had 550 pass blocking snaps, zero sacks, zero penalties. Like, that's huge from a pass protection standard. So, like, Juan Thornhill maybe doesn't give you the mental aspect of the game and the leadership that you would negate, that you would lose, but maybe gives you more athletically than and someone that can actually keep up with the, the different athletes coming into the NFL. And, and look, I think Hooker's ready to lead the back end too, by the way. I, I think he is right there. I mean, I think he's a really good player. Obviously, like the injury stuff last year sucked. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily a, a trend with him. Um, but he's, uh, I think he's a good player and I think he's a, an ascending player still. I mean, he's still just like 25 years old because he was super young coming in the league. But, um, but uh, yeah, I think the point is like, look at, look at it this way. The Titans saved, what was it, $3.7 million by releasing Ben Jones? Am I remembering that number correctly? Yeah. I think it's right around there. They're spending more money on Aaron Brewer than they saved cutting Ben Jones, which tells me, and look, Aaron Brewer is not a, an upgrade on Ben Jones. He's just not. Aaron, you know, Ben Jones is one of the better centers in the league. They aren't necessarily trying to upgrade across the board. They are trying to get younger. They are trying to get more athletic. They're trying to reset the cap to a large degree this year. I don't think that they're like everyone's obsessed with this team getting better. I don't know that they're obsessed with getting better this year. I think they're obsessed with getting younger, maybe trying to find some diamonds in the rough. Like maybe they're trying to they're trying to find that maybe Andre Dillard can be the guy that he was drafted to be, you know, five years ago. Um and and if he is, by the way, like that's a killer contract that you've got now and a huge asset. For the next three years um they are they are like hunting for diamonds in the rough right now like that that is how i feel like they're going about this offseason because yes trading away buyer does not make you better this year i mean even if you got you know i, I don't think you'd get a first round pick even if you got a second round pick for him you're not going to draft a safety in the second round that's gonna be better than kevin buyer this year you're not but you might get an asset that you're able to make into a better, a more valuable player in a year, in two years, when Bayard's contract would have already expired, anyways. Um, so I, I just, I don't feel like, I don't think it's a that they're tanking or anything like that. I think they're trying to get guys that make sense, but they're also not going for it. Like this is not a a win now team. It's just not. So I, I think it. I think all options should be on the table. I think trading Danico Autry should be on the table. I think trading Derrick Henry should be on the table. I think trading Bayard should be on the table. I think trading Tannehill should be on the table. I don't. I don't think they're going to find a taker for Tannehill at this point because the QB market is pretty much set. Like I don't know. I don't know who's desperate for quarterback enough to to really like give you full value for Tannehill at this point. So I think you're kind of at a point where it's like, do you cut them or keep them? Um, those Only cut him if you're going to get Lamar Jackson. I don't know if you read my article, but you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, it work. I, look, and, and maybe they do go for Lamar or whatever. But even then, I, you know, I don't feel like this is a win now team. Um, but I don't know. I, I just, 
I think it's possible that they do try to make a trade, but I'd be surprised if they just straight up cut them because it's only six million bucks, and you could definitely find six million bucks somewhere else. I mean, I'd rather cut, for example, I'd rather cut Danico Autry than cut Kevin Byard, which I'd save more I think money. I'm, I think I think I'm the opposite. I, I think Byard. See, I mean, that's the thing. I think this year maybe Autry is more impactful, possibly, um, but in 2024. And by you know, Autry isn't even on, under contract for 2024. Yeah. Bayard would be uh, under contract still and, and only 30 years old. Um, so, and to me, 2024 matters more than 2023. Okay. We're going to do stay or go. Okay. First off, rumors are that uh, the Titans and Texans are in for Denzel Perryman. For That's an inside linebacker. Uh, I thought that was an interesting rumor. We'll see how that plans out. But stay or go. We're gonna, I'm going to give you some players. Who's going to be here on 2020 in 2023 for the Tennessee Titans? Ryan Tannehill. I think he's going to be here. Stay. Derrick Henry. Mm, go. Too much smoke. Yeah. Get him out of here. I know that seems like I'm really happy. I'll be really sad, but I just want. Oh, like, I would be, I would be sad sh- about it. They are totally shifting to better pass blockers for a reason, in my opinion. But that's just, you know, speculation, conspiracy theories. But there's so much smoke. Rich Eisen again today said the Buffalo Bills should be on the phone with Derrick Henry. I think there's a lot of smoke there. Okay. Uh, I kind of lost my train of thought. Kevin Byard. Stay. I think he stays. Danico Autry. Stays. I feel like I had one more in that group, but I can't remember who it was. But we'll end it on those four guys. Christian Fulton. Oh, that's who it was. Yes, Christian Fulton. Is he going to be gone or is he? I think he stays. I, I don't think the tra- market's probably good. You know what? I, I think he's gone next year. I'm going to say it. I think he gets traded. Let's go. Okay. Let's put it out there. Let's put it out to the world. I think Christian Fulton gets traded. And uh, on top of that, Caleb Farley, will he be here? Yeah, I think Caleb Farley's in camp because, like, who's going to take him? Okay. <laughs> All right. That will do it for us. Uh, extra long edition, free. I didn't I haven't came up with a good free agency something or other free agency earthquake, hurricane, natural disaster free agency edition. I haven't came up with it. We'll I'll workshop it before I put out the title of the show. Uh, for Mike Kernan and Mike Kernan NFL, go to paulcarski.com and read all about some Andre Dillard film studies. Uh, Zach Lyons at Efforts Pod. Go to stackingtheinbox.com. To get access for $4 a month, get you access to three amazing tools for you to use all this offseason and to reference so you are always informed. Mike, we got a couple of questions just real quick. And I know we're signing off. Real quick, it's about the wide receiver. So hopefully, oh, you guys yeah, can yeah. We, should, we should talk about that. Okay. Jacoby Myers is gone. Alan Lazard's gone. Juju Smith Schuster's gone. The Titans have filled a little bit of the needs that you would normally see mock drafters give to them. Um, you know, I would think that Paris Johnson would be will start being a less popular pick on mock drafts, which that really means nothing in the big scheme of things. Where are you at on the wide receiver situation for the Tennessee Titans? I think they need to sign probably one or two um, at minimum. I, I I I still like, you know, Darius Slayton. I still like DJ Shark. I, I think Shark will probably have too much of a market um, for them to really get into that. You like more. DJ Shark? I do, just from the fact that, like, he's a tall, vertical receiver who has elite speed. He's 
he will stretch the field for you. Um, and you can do, you can do some other stuff with him too. And he's, he had the ACL injury. He came back last year and then down the stretch, down the stretch, he was really playing well. Like he played really well. He did make a little comeback. Yeah. And now he will be two years removed from the ACL. And that's usually when you want to get that guy is two years removed. So I think he could be a good value grab, but I actually think he's probably going to have too much of a market and that might push him out of what they're willing to pay. Okay. Speaking of markets. Oh God, we're getting into this hole where we can't get out and close this podcast. Isaac Siumala, Elton Risner. What the hell is going on with those guys? I figured they for sure would have gotten huge contracts already. I'm surprised that they've lasted this long. I, I, I mean, it would be great if if the Titans could grab one of those guys at discount. Um, oh, you man, know, if, awesome. if their markets have been softer than what they they were expecting, um, because those I mean, were, you would technically honestly, have five starters. <laughs> I mean, is yeah, that crazy? Yeah. I mean, that that would actually be probably those may have been my first and second ranked guards if I was just stacking them up on a board as far as yeah. like guys I would prefer, not necessarily based on value or whatever. Just guys I think are the best in the free agent class. I think I'd have Reisner and and Ciamali one and two. So um, if you could get them for less than ten million a year, I'd definitely be in. Man, look at this list of free agent wide receivers, and I'll go through them real quick. Richie James, I think there's a strong possibility he came here from MTSU. He knows Rand Carthon because of his time at San Francisco. So there's a connect Rand Carthon connection there. He is a good deep threat. Kick return, good deep threat. He wasn't really used as a deep threat. I think that's more of like a Daniel Jones trying to ease him into the offensive system issue. You mentioned DJ Chark. Darius Slayton is a yeah. is a good wide receiver that I think you can get fairly cheap. Uh, you like Miko Hardman. Uh, Jordan Schultz calls him elite. I think he's okay. I think there's a lot of a there's a lot of projection for Miko Hardman for yeah. me that I'm just not comfortable with. Um, I, I like so. Miko Hardman, Paris Campbell, I view them the same. If you are wanting to get faster on offense, they will do that for you. I am all for some Paris Campbell, and I know that I have talked shit about Paris Campbell previously. Uh, as a, as a as a when he's been with the Colts and he can't stay healthy, I thought he had a really good season last year, and I think he could be paired with a strong armed quarterback and be even better. Uh, so I, he was one of the guys I was going to mention. I think Demir Bird is an interesting. I think you mentioned yeah. Demir Bird a couple of off seasons ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Demarcus very Robinson, small but fast. Yeah, Demarcus Robinson's a bigger wide receiver that can stretch the field a little bit. Yeah. But he's also comes from a good run blocking system. I know people don't really care about that. And Chris Moore is another guy. Um, you know, you have Matt Collins. You know. There Matt are Collins guys kind of interesting, although he's yeah. older, which I don't he know. Did, yeah. I will say this. He did beat up on the Tennessee Titans. So they, you God, know, yes, he we did. Talk he, about he that. Uh, made Terrence Mitchell his bitch. Yeah, we talk about, uh, you know, what we were talking about earlier. Uh, he is currently, yeah, he's, he's going to be 30 at the end of this season. Yeah. You know, there are players on this list that you could probably sign for one year deals. And I feel like that's how they're going to go with this wide receiver market. After seeing them, tie themselves to uh, in trades to Julio Jones and Robert Woods. It feels like we're about to enter that stage of free agency where all these players that you're kind of wondering why they're not signed yet, get the one year deals because their market wasn't where they want to be and they need to be on a one year prove it deal. Yeah. I think that that generally is kind of like how it goes. And, and look, they are, um, the, the wide receiver market is terrible this year. Like, it is a bad class of free agents. 
Um, and that's why, you know, you're, you're going to see, I, I still think you're going to see some movement on the trade market as far as wide receivers go. Um, Cause some teams are going to get desperate and pull the trigger. I don't think the Titans should be one of those teams because they should not be trading draft assets for win now players. That's just not where they are right now. Um, in my opinion. So unless you can find a guy that's like, maybe like an Elijah Moore who has a couple years left on his rookie deal. And, and like you could project as some like long-term investment. Um, maybe I could be talked into something like that, but I'm not trading for a one-year rental on Jerry Judy or, uh, you know, DeAndre. Oh, hey, you won a first you know, round pick over in Denver yeah, and look, New England was tied to both those wide receivers, by the way. And then yeah. they went and go sign uh, Juju Smith Schuster. So that should tell yeah. you exactly what the other teams are asking. But Jerry Judy for a first round pick, they couldn't even get a second and fourth last year. And they think they're going to get a first <laughs> at minimum, insane. a first in insane insanity. Uh. But yeah, I mean, I think what you've got to do, like, and this is kind of true for all of free agency. You're not going to find the perfect players in free agency. Like you, you can try to find some diamonds in the rough. I think the Titans have done a pretty good job of it. Identifying guys that have some upside and you could, you, you know, talk yourself into like them turning into a, a quality player but you're not going to find like just all-stars, you know, in free agency. These are players that largely teams didn't want for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, so they're, I think they're like a step above at this point, you get so late in a free agency. It's like, they're a step above the guys who get cut at the 53 man roster cutoff. Like right, they, they yeah. may be a couple of layers up, but like, you know, guys yeah. like, you know, Foster Moreau is still out there for a yeah, tight end. Dalton Schultz left. is crazily still out there. Uh, yeah. Donald Donald Parham wasn't brought back. He was a guy that was a my guy on draft a couple. You got Mike Jasicki out there, which doesn't really fit the system, but just goes to show you free agency was not over day one. I know everybody loves to act, and we have to say this every year, which we may not even say it next year because I'm just going to let people do it. But it's not over. It's not over after day one, after day one of tampering. The first signing. Yeah, it's not, over, it's not even over day one today of official free agency. It wasn't over yesterday. It keeps on going. It keeps on trucking along. And there's going to be, the longer this goes, a, I, the more you're going to see relatively good players go for cheap deals. It's just how free agency works. So this is a good time that the Tennessee Titans have bided their time and not gone out and spent big money that they really don't have. Of course, we'll see what all these cap hits do when they come out. Okay, now we're closing the show. No more questions. Zach Lyons at Edwards Pod. Mike Herndon. At Mike Herndon NFL, follow us on Twitter. Turn on notifications. Broadway Sports Media, 440 Sports. This has been football and other F-words, and you have just been effed. 